It's Matthew 10, 24-42. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Um, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this uh, challenging word from the lips of Jesus. Father, we pray that as we uh, look at it now that you would be um, informing our minds and changing our hearts that we would be people who live with Jesus uh, quite seriously as number one in our lives and we pray these things in his name amen a man gets uh, inside his car um, outside his house on a quiet suburban street and as he <coughs> pulls away from the curb uh, three um, bulky black SUVs uh, drive up the road and uh, one of them manoeuvres in front of the man's car, the other one uh, pulls alongside on his right hand side of the car, the other one uh, stays behind him and then uh, all three SUVs stop. Uh, men get out from one of the SUVs and they wrestle the driver from his vehicle and bundle him into uh, one of their vehicles, uh, someone gets into his car 
and then all four vehicles uh, drive off at speed. Uh, there were two witnesses who saw this. They didn't know what it was that they had just witnessed, so they went to the local police station and uh, the police, uh, they described it and the police said, well, that sounds like it was a, sp a police special units operation um, apprehending uh, a criminal because that's, that's how the police do it. That's how we do it. Um, but this man was no criminal. Um, he was the pastor of a local church. Uh, in a land where preaching the gospel to some people um, can have dire consequences, even at the hands of the police. Now, this is a uh, current high-profile case. There's a book that's just been published about it, which I'm reading. But it's not an uncommon sort of thing in, um, in our world. Uh, Christians around the world do suffer uh, violence, they suffer imprisonment, they suffer uh, even death uh, for telling others about Jesus and uh, even for just identifying themselves as being a Christian. Uh, although for the vast majority of us, the um, rejection or persecution uh, that we might experience is a whole lot more subtle than that and a whole lot less painful and dramatic, but it's just as real. Uh, Jesus has a few things to say about this in our passage today. Um, Matthew chapter 10 verses 24 to 42 contains uh, some of Jesus' clearest teaching on what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be uh, one of his followers and the cost of doing so. Uh, now, in the first half of Matthew chapter 10, which Peter preached on a couple of weeks back, uh, Jesus warned his apostles, uh, Jesus was commissioning his, the 12 at that time, it's the first time they get called apostles, uh, sent out ones, he's commissioning them to go out to uh, preach the, the good news of the kingdom around uh, uh, Judea, and he warns them to be on guard against men. Uh, if you uh, turn to that in your Bibles, you'll see in chapter 10, verse 22, that this is what he says to them. He says, all men uh, will hate you because of me, uh, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. All men, all kinds of men, all kinds of people are going to hate you because of me. Uh, which may have caught some of the apostles at least a little bit by surprise because they'd been with Jesus for a period of time and they had seen all of the good things that Jesus was doing as he healed people, as he drove out demons from people who'd been severely afflict afflicted and so on. But not everyone was going to be thrilled by what Jesus did. Um, for example, in chapter 12, which we'll look at, look at in coming weeks, uh, there's a uh, situation where Jesus... Uh, drives a demon out from a man, this poor afflicted man who was mute, he couldn't talk because he had this demon and Jesus drove out the demon from the man but instead of rejoicing, some of the people in the crowd reckoned that it was by the power of Beelzebub that Jesus had done this. Now, um, who, is, who or what is Beelzebub? Uh, it's, it's a funny word, isn't it? It sounds like the Hebrew word... Um, Baal Zebub. Does that give you a bit of a hint as to what it means? Um, Baal Zebub, the Hebrew word, actually means Lord of the Flies, um, which is a, a sort of a send up 
of another word, word and that is Baal Zebal, uh, which means the Lord Baal, the pagan god of the Old Testament. Uh, so what, what are they saying here? Well, the bottom line is that they're saying of Jesus that it is bow, by the power of a pagan god, uh, Jesus actually uh, uh, associates that with Satan, that it is by the power of Satan that Jesus is doing the good works that he does. Now, that's, that's pretty offensive, isn't it? Uh, imagine if you were doing, if you had done something which was really good, really godly, in the name of God, and then someone accused you of doing evil, of being an agent of Satan and serving Satan. Imagine that. Well, that's, that's how Jesus was treated. And so, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, why would you expect to be treated any better than that? Um, <clears throat> have a look at verse 24. A student is not above his, his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, well, how much more the members of his household? Uh, you know, when uh, Jesus preached about discipleship to the crowds, the, the crowds tended to abandon him. In Luke chapter 14, there's a great passage on the cost of being a disciple and Jesus speaks to a large crowd of people and as he talks to them about what it's going to cost them to be a follower of his, a whole, they, they turned away. They deserted him. But here, and the reason for that, of course, is because people want the benefits of being associated with Jesus, but they don't want actually, um, they don't want the cost. Uh, they don't want the downside of being a follower. Now here, Jesus is addressing not the crowds, but the twelve. And what he says to them makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If people hate Jesus, and if you are a follower of Jesus, then don't be surprised if you lose some popularity. In fact, uh, they might even hate you more than Jesus because you are the one who is spreading his message uh, around to many other people. And the other thing here is that if you think that being a Christian is some kind of a, a key to worldly success, so if you think that a Christian is a key to being admired by pagans, then you must be above Jesus because they killed Jesus on a cross. And here they attribute his works to that of Beelzebub. Now, Jesus... Uh, is not trying to scare the apostles. Uh, no, in verses 26 to 31, uh, his goal is actually the opposite of that. His goal is that they would not be afraid. And uh, in our passage today, he gives them three reasons for courage. I'm going to talk about those three reasons. First of all, uh, his first reason as to why they should not be afraid, that why they should be courageous is that the truth will one day be revealed. Have a look at that in verse 26. Uh, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So what I tell to you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. I was thinking about this and um, 
remember the last federal election, we had it this year. Um, there was one, uh, you know when all of the polls were saying that the Labor Party was going to win the election? Uh, there was one polling company who did a poll uh, which actually predicted a coalition victory. Now, I'm not getting into politics in this sermon, I'll be straight about that. But there was this one polling company which actually predicted a coalition victory. Uh, they, when they looked at the results of their poll, they, they, they kind of knew that they had done the poll in the, in the right way, but the result was so different to every other poll that they lost confidence in what they'd done. And they decided not to publish the results of their poll because they thought, well, we're going to be ridiculed if we do that. But they were right. And had they published, they would have been vindicated, wouldn't they? Now, this is a very poor analogy, I realise that, but uh, our message is far more important than their message, who's going to win an election... And yet the fear of ridicule, because our message is so different to the message of the world, uh, the fear of ridicule may actually cause us to become timid about sharing the, 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 sharing the gospel. But what Jesus is saying here is what is being hidden will one day be disclosed. It will be revealed. That is, one day we will be vindicated. The truth of what we say in the gospel will be shown for what it is and that will happen on the day that the Lord Jesus returns uh, in glory, on the day of judgment. And we know that he'll be returning. How do we know that Jesus will be returning? We know he'll be returning because he's been raised from the dead. The resurrection is always critical in terms of our confidence uh, in sharing the gospel. And so what Jesus says is, uh, take heart and shout the gospel from your rooftops. If I go to the rooftop of my house... I would probably slip off. But on uh, Palestinian houses, they were all flat. It was a great place to go to to actually broadcast your message uh, to people around. So don't be disheartened. Don't be afraid. Uh, you all will be disclosed. So take heart. Shout the gospel from the rooftops. Now, secondly, in verse 28, Jesus challenges the apostles to think, about, to think real hard about who they are actually afraid of. Uh, who, who are you afraid of? Mortal men? Uh, what is the worst that mortal men can do to you? Well, they can kill you. They can make it pretty unpleasant in the process, but the worst they can do is they can kill you. Do you fear them, or do you fear the eternal God who after death uh, can send you to the ongoing destruction of hell? Do you believe what the Bible says about eternity? Do you believe that death is not the end? Do you believe that after death we all face judgment? Well, this is therefore the very real issue that we face. Uh, in Acts chapter 21, um, <clears throat> it was prophesied that the Apostle Paul, if he went to Jerusalem, that he would be bound and he would be handed over uh, to the Gentiles. Now, the Christians who were with him did not want him that to happen to Paul. They didn't want him to go, and so they begged him. They begged him with tears not to go to Jerusalem, 
And yet Paul asked them, why? Why are you doing this? He said, I'm not only prepared to be bound, but I'm also prepared to die in Jerusalem for the sake of the gospel. Because, well, who is it that you fear? They may be able to kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. And friends, when Jesus returns, we will all be given resurrection bodies. Um, the uh, 16th century English uh, reforming bishop, um, Bishop Hugh Latimer, uh, was one time in the presence of King Henry VIII. And in the presence of the king, he recounted later, he said that, I, I said to myself, be careful, Latimer, what you say, because the king is here. And then he said, I then reminded myself, be careful, Latimer, what you do not say, because the king of kings is also here. And he was later burnt to death for his faith in Jesus uh, under the reign of uh, Queen Mary, uh, but will be with God for all of eternity. Who do you fear? Who do you fear? Now, the third reason for not being afraid is that God knows, loves and values you. Uh, verse, that, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I've got no idea how many hairs there are on my head, nor do I care particularly. I might care if I started losing them all in bulk. Um, that's a trivial example, isn't it? But that's the point. The triviality of it is the exact point that Jesus is making because what it tells us is that God knows more about you, God cares more about you than you know or care about yourself. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. Uh, in Jesus' day... People would eat, would eat um, uh, roasted sparrows as hors d'oeuvres, as finger foods. Um, <clears throat> the normal wage at that time was um, for a labourer was 16 pennies. Now, they didn't have pennies in those days. The, the actual coin's called an Assyrian. I'll tell you more about that if you're interested later on after morning tea, over morning tea. Um, an Assyrian, uh, 16 Assyrians equals one denarius and uh, one Assyrian uh, could buy two sparrows. So one sparrow is worth one, 30, one over 32 of, the, of your day's wage if you're a labourer. Not very much. It's not worth very much. And yet God knows every one of them. There's a sparrow that falls to the ground. It doesn't do so because of the will of God. Have you ever wondered if God knows and God cares for you in a time of trouble? Of course he does. How many sparrows do you think that you are worth to God? <laughs> well, uh, God once purchased you actually and uh, the cost was the death of his son. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. And so, friends, God knows what's going on. God knows when we are 
been suffering or we're being rejected because of our love for Jesus. And if we love Jesus, then we ought to expect rejection. Because the gospel, you see, although Jesus is the Prince of Peace, Jesus is the one who brings us peace between God and man. And for those who put their trust in him, God brings peace between man and man. But the gospel actually divides people. Some people embrace the gospel as the fragrance of life, whereas others reject it because it challenges something which is very deep in their hearts, and that is sin and self. And it divides even within families. Have you noticed that? And that's where we find it really hard, don't we? Where the person we love so much, our son or our daughter, our husband or our wife, or our mum or our dad, when they reject Jesus, well, we don't want to be rejected by them. And so we are tempted to, to soften our commitment to Jesus. Uh, and in too many cases, I've known people have even just turned away from Jesus because they've loved their spouse, they've loved their more than they've loved Christ. Verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It sounds a bit radical, doesn't it? Sounds a bit severe that we should... But Jesus is defining with a high degree of clarity what it means for us to follow him as being first in our lives. It's very easy for us to say, I'll follow Jesus first. Well, do you follow him, do you love him more than you love your spouse? Is he really first? But also, the other thing here is, how can we love how can you love your family the best? Well, it's by actually loving Jesus even more than you love them. That's how you can best love people. Because if Jesus is first in our lives, then we will obey his command to love others, even when they're difficult to love. We will obey his command to love our families in the same way that he loved us when he died on the cross for us. And so our love for our families will be greater if we actually love Jesus before them. Make sense? Um, and therefore we will pray for those we love. You know, I remember how, how terrible I felt um, uh, on the day that um, uh, I shared the gospel with my mother and she said to me, I don't want you to ever say those things to me ever again felt dreadful i remember the joy i felt the day decades later when she put her trust in the lord jesus christ you see we don't compromise our love we don't backtrack in talking to people about jesus because they reject christ we don't do that for the sake of pleasing them or for pleasing anyone ultimately that's not the loving thing to do and yet we are so tempted, aren't we? We're so tempted to make compromises because, and I think it's because we think in such a, 
short-term categories about our existence. We figure that, um, uh, that we will meet less resistance in life. Uh, we figure that life will be somehow easier, more pleasant, uh, that life will be better, uh, that we'll be more accepted if we just zip our mouths about Jesus. If we keep quiet when opportunities arise to speak about Jesus at work or at school uh, or amongst our families or with our neighbours. But if we think long term, there is a moment in our existence which in terms of life is difficult to surpass. And that's on the day of judgement. On the day of judgment for Jesus to be standing before his Father in heaven and to acknowledge you. To say to his Father in heaven, I, I acknowledge her, I acknowledge him because I've died for them. They've trusted in me, she has trusted in me and she has, never been, she has not been ashamed of me. She has acknowledged me before others that would be a good moment in the whole of our existence Um, read verse 32 whoever acknowledges me before men i will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven that's life what could be better than that and there's a choice because jesus goes on to say whoever disowns me before men I will disown him before my Father in heaven. That's frightening. That's the worst moment in the whole of your existence for Jesus to say, depart from me. I never knew you. On the day of judgment. You see, in verse 39, we're tempted to think that that we somehow find our life in this mortal existence. But when we do that, we actually lose our lives in the age to come. But when we lose our lives now, we actually find it. We find life, true life, eternal life, in the age to come. And more than that, uh, others will find life through us. Um, There's a lot more that we could say about verses 40 to 42, but we don't have time. But I just want to point out how Jesus encourages the apostles in verse 40, uh, where he says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Uh, We start off by saying that if people reject Jesus, that they will reject us. The flip side of that we see here is if they accept us, if they accept our message, then that is because they are accepting Jesus. And if they're accepting Jesus, then they're accepting the one who sent him. They're accepting God the Father. And what else do they receive? They receive an eternal reward. How good is that? For some, like the pastor who was kidnapped... And for countless others, losing life might actually involve losing your life. It may happen. 
Um, that was two and a half years ago, and uh, that pastor has not been seen since. Just ab abducted from a residential street in Kuala Lumpur. And despite the best efforts of his family, despite the best efforts of his church, despite the best efforts of many others in the community discovered what has happened to him, no one has been able to find out. And now even the police inquiry is being inquired about. You and I are not likely to be whisked away by assailants in a black SUV. Um, however, we can expect social pressure... Uh, not to not speak about Jesus. And so we're tempted to avoid that social exclusion by keeping our mouths shut on issues such as sin, issues such as judgment, issues such as the cross. Uh, or even, you know, I think this is a very simple example, um, not um, <clears throat> telling our friends at work or at school uh, what we did on Sunday when they ask you, how was your weekend? <laughs> Right? So easy to tell them about everything else that you did, but I'll say I actually went to church because that might actually um, be a little bit awkward. I think it's actually very good and a very easy uh, way to get the conversation happening about Jesus because, brothers and sisters, we can be bold. We can be bold because we know that one day the truthfulness of our message will be made clear to all that we will be vindicated. We can be bold because we know that the right person to fear is not that person at work or that person in your family or your, the right person to fear is God himself. And we can be bold because the, despite whatever rejection or hostility we might face, we know that God loves you. We know that God cares for you you know that god knows what's going on in your life and you know that god will bless others through you as you lose your life for his sake that's all i want to say on this passage so let's pray father uh, we thank you for this very bold and um, very forthright uh, teaching from jesus uh, we pray, Lord God, that um, it would sink into our hearts, uh, that we would review uh, our priorities in life and that indeed that we would be emboldened um, to speak uh, clearly about Jesus um, despite what may happen to us as a result of that um, because of these great truths which we've been able to look at today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.